if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com and today we are doing the October 2022 regulatory update. So let's see what we'll talk about. So first I wanted to talk about the European Union, so what's happening there. So mainly the first thing that is um, uh, there is about uh, some the, the situation, if I can say the global situation for the European Union, uh, the, the transition periods, all those things for EUMDR and IVDR. And the IMDRF had a lot of presentation issued and one of them was about the European Union and uh, what exactly is the EU regulatory development and what is the status of it. So um, I just placed on the show the uh, the the presentation uh, if you are really interested to look at that I mean it's just a summary of all what is happening uh, I was just a bit surprised because when I looked at the presentation on the second slide um, and you can maybe see it on the screen here uh, on the second slide that we saw if I can say that in the European Union there was the EU uh, countries the EFTA and EEA countries Turkey also because Turkey is also considered like in the European Union for medical devices and also Switzerland and what was surprising, because for me Switzerland is out of the European Union, uh, I just saw a small star on it, and maybe you can see that uh, also, um, but I was not able to find anything about that. Because when I saw it, I said, oh, maybe they are close to an agreement for the uh, mutual recognition agreement with Europe, etc. But no, I don't know. Uh, so there was this surprise for me, but all the rest was just uh, a summary. For that. But if you have maybe more news or if you want to look at the document and you have maybe some comments, don't hesitate to put that on the, on the, on the, on the comments here for, for the video. So then the second topic is about the MDCG, so guidance, MDCG 2022-15, which is a guidance about the transition uh, for the IVDR um, per article 50, uh, 110, sorry. Um, so this is mainly explaining uh, the situation, not specifically to the customer uh, to the manufacturers, but more to notified bodies. It's telling many how they should maybe react for each or uh, another one. For example, if you have a notified body that is certifying you for your IVDD products, but it's another notified body that is certifying you for your IVDR products. So how this transition or how this should be handled. So there are a lot of things like uh, like that that are mentioned, a lot of cases and how notified bodies have to, uh, to manage that, uh, which can be interesting also for you to read uh, if you are in the IVDD uh, business or IVDR business and then you want to understand how a notified body can manage, if I can say, your case. So this is mainly a document that you have to, to look at. Then we have 
a lot <laughs> of <laughs> guidance or position papers issued by Team NB, Team Notified Body. So um, we should call even this episode the Team Notified Body uh, guidance or opposition paper. I should maybe even ask some, I mean, I tried to ask, but I didn't get any answer. Uh, somebody from not, uh, Team NB to come and to also comment some of those uh, documents. So uh, the first one is about class D devices, and it's mainly the measures to take uh, if there is no EU reference laboratories that are uh, in place. And uh, spoiler alert, this document, and it's written like a disclosure, this document is only for the notified body use. So it means that don't, if you are not a notified body, don't listen at that, <laughs> don't look at that. But um, mainly what is interesting on this document is that, yeah, it gives you some, uh, it gives to the notified bodies um, the way they have to go when uh, there is no uh, U-reference laboratories. For example, they say, use a subcontracted laboratory under exploration, uh, which is, a solution that is under exploration. Use a blinded panel samples also under exploration. Um, witness testing during audit. So there are a lot of terms that are used. I'm not familiar with all those terms. So I suppose if you are, if I can say uh, in this business, you know what they are talking about. But mainly, yeah, they are trying to find some solutions in case there is no EURL uh, laboratories that are uh, designated because you need that normally for those kind of uh, um, manufacturers or those products to be then certified. So um, this is a, then a document to read just to understand how notified bodies will handle the situation. Then Team NB also issued uh, another document which is called the transfer agreement. Um, I mean, when you read the document it's called like a position paper uh, for me it's really an agreement so it says really how you are transferring from one notified body to another what are the dates of transition it's like the same as maybe what should have be, should be done for an authorized representative when you are transitioning from one authorized representative to another here why I'm saying it's not a position paper it's just that when you look at the document it's like a template of an agreement so you just copy paste and Fill, fill the gaps and then you are good. So, um, so yeah, if you are in a way to transition from one notified body to another, maybe this is a document that you have to understand to maybe fill out the gaps, if I can say, on your agreements or see what are exactly what is really important between not one notified body to the other, because you can do that. You can change your notified bodies and uh, this is mainly what is mentioned here on this, on this document, this position paper, which is for me more a template agreement for the transition from uh, one notified body to another notified body. Then we have uh, another document, which is a guidance on the best practices for technical documentation. And to be honest, it's a great document. Uh, it's showing to you all the chapters that are normally included in a technical documentation. And it tells you for each chapter what they are expecting to see, how they should see that, what should be there, etc., etc. So if you, were, you are struggling to understand what should be in each of the chapters of the uh, technical documentation. I mean, this document is gold for you. Uh, there is everything inside, a uh, lot of advices. So as it's Team NB who has issued this document means that there is a consensus from all the notified bodies to align on to that. I mean, most of the notified bodies, I suppose. So then, yeah, you should take that as 
uh, really a document to use in case you are actually building your technical documentation uh, because yeah it's providing a lot of details of a lot of information which is uh, I, I suppose really great for you so don't hesitate to go on the show notes and to find uh, the the link to get this document also Okay, another Team Envy document, uh, which is uh, the position paper on time to implement guidance. So maybe some of you uh, had experienced that. Uh, you are about to have an audit, if I can say, with your notified body. And I don't know, one month before the audit, a new NDCG guidance comes and there is a lot of details that you have not considered on your documentation, a lot of things that are not there, etc. So uh, what should I do now? <laughs> because you have an, an audit that is coming. So is there really a rule in terms of um, deadline for when this document should be implemented, etc. Because it's published now, it's there. So what should you do there? So this document, this position paper from Team NB is just explaining that, yeah, we can have a gap, if I can say, between the moment it's published and the moment it's implemented. And what they are suggesting, it's a guidance, so suggestion, so it's not the law, it's just a guidance suggestion to notified bodies that um, they are taking, it should take for you up to four months to implement, uh, not to implement, to uh, complete a gap analysis about your the MDCG guidance that is issued. So um, MDCG guidance is issued. You have four months just to complete a gap analysis. Then you have up to eight months after the publication to define a full impact assessment with the actions, with all the things that you have to, uh, to implement. And then up to 12 months, then all the um, MDC should be done, should be implemented, plus the staff, your staff should be trained. So you see here that, yeah, there is some kind of good news here because it's mainly giving you really the right timeline and you don't have to guess anymore when should you implement that. No, you have to implement that as soon as this and that. An advice, maybe, just an advice, um, as you have a quality management system, uh, maybe adding that also uh, to your quality management system can help uh, because, yeah, mainly if your team are not aware about that, can be also a problem. So as soon as an MDCG guidance is published, so it means that you should also have some regulatory updates or regulatory uh, uh, so regulatory um, check, if I can say, uh, constantly, or you can check my channel because I'm doing this review every month. Then, as soon as you know that an MDC guidance is published, then the the clock is ticking, so it's starting. So then you can now uh, have the four, eight, and twelve months period to do that. So it means what? It means that when you will be having an audit, if this audit happens four months or five months or six months after the MDCG guidance is implemented, then at a minimum, you should have a gap analysis. So you should show an evidence that you have made a gap analysis about this guidance. If it's more than eight months, then you should have at minimum all the action plan and everything. And if it's more than 12 months or one year, then you should, it's implemented. I mean, it's nearly the one year is the mark, um, mark to implement that. But you have to prove that. So having that in your quality management system can also be a good, uh, good, uh, good advice. Okay, and now the last paper of uh, Team NB, which is the paper on hybrid audit. It's also an interesting paper because it's making like a, a summary of the period of the pandemic where when you had to do some remote audit and how also the restriction to say the first audit should not be remote, should be physical, etc. Et and they had made some lesson learned from, from this period and they, they made then this, uh, this document to explain how you can do an hybrid audit. Hybrid audit doesn't mean remote, 
means hybrid means that there is physical on-site plus remote so we'll just explain that to you but what they have mentioned is that there is an advantage of doing that which is like 20 to 25 percent of auditor capacity that can be released which means that every five audits you will have uh, one auditor that can be available for another audit instead of uh, doing uh, spending time there so you save one audit one auditor every five audits you are also increasing the availability of SME. I will explain you just after why. You will increase also the audit effectiveness uh, for certain activity, less time on traveling and accommodation, uh, reducing the risk of travel high risk area because yeah, there are maybe some areas where there is high risk to travel. So then the point is to say, okay, can we reduce that? Reduce, not eliminate. So it's mainly that. Reducing also, I didn't know, but the risk of burnout for auditors. So they should maybe make also a, uh, kind of a study about that. Uh, recognizing also the grown acceptance of telework. So uh, a lot more now of companies are using also um, uh, remote working, remote offices. So then it's also something that is more and more accepted to um, make meetings through, uh, through um, uh, a web portal or web, uh, so a teleconference meeting, or whatever, a video meeting. So this is possible. Uh, then they are acknowledging that mainly. So, um, I mean, what is great here is that notified bodies recognize that. So companies also recognize that, yeah, uh, and there is no need specifically to be on site of uh, your company to be working effectively. So it's mainly also a good thing here. So um, the only aspect that the auditors cannot do remotely, they have to be physical and work there, is about infrastructure of your company, work environment, production on and incoming in-process and final inspection, uh, servicing, design transfer to manufacturer, warehousing, storage facilities. So all those things, they should check that on site. So how is this working again? So it means that you maybe have one person. So instead of coming with a team of two, three, four people to do an audit, mainly they are coming with one person and the other SMEs, so subject matter experts that are needed for the audit, are available remotely. When you will arrive, for example, you say oh, on Tuesday, we'll talk about biocompatibility, etc. So then the biocompatibility SME will be available only that two hours during the morning for this session, and then we leave, and then the next topic will come, etc. etc. So this is mainly helping also to have the right SMEs and more SMEs available. It's what I told you that there is more effectiveness in the use of SMEs instead of blocking them during two days to talk about a lot of topics but not their topic now they are really uh, dedicated to um, one topic i mean this is a position paper from team nb it's not the law so we'll see how notified bodies will also implement that so don't be surprised if you hear about this hybrid audit because it's also something that is uh, it will be used a lot by uh, by notified bodies Okay, um, we talked also lastly about the medical device, the manual for borderline of medical devices. So it means it's a manual that is helping you to define if a product is a medical device or not. Um, I saw a case there that is really interesting, which is a case for a smartphone application about uh, for sexually transmitted infection prevention strategies. Uh, so it's a big word to say a lot of things, but it was just an application to put in contact people that are um, gathering together, if I can say. Um, so mainly, um, what is interesting on this reading, and it's interesting for any software companies, is to read exactly the conclusions related to this software, related to this application, just to understand 
if this is a medical device or not and what are the arguments to say it is or it is not a medical device so i will not make a spoiler on this so i'll let you read that and define if you understand if this is or not a medical device but software companies are struggling more and more to understand if their, their software is a medical device or not this is an example that you can use to understand that. There is also the MDCG guidance about software that gives a lot of um, evidence, but more evidence you have, better it is. And we'll talk also about software later with the UK uh, legislation. Okay, so for your opinion, we have also the training, so the EUMDR training. So I'm providing uh, the Green Belt certification program. Uh, so we are doing that every month. We stop just during the, the, the month of July and August because a lot of people are out of office. Uh, so now we start again. So we had uh, the, the one from September. This month in October, we have also one week session from the October 24th to October 28th. Uh, so don't hesitate to go to the, uh, the link on the show notes and then get uh, get that so one thing that is also important is that um, there is also a session that is planned in november and also a session in december so if you are not available for october so then go for the session in november and december so notified bodies so notified bodies situation what's happening there so mainly this month we have a new notified body which is a pcbc which is a polish notified body uh, for eumdr so we have now uh, 33 notified bodies for UMDR and 7 for IVDR. Um, what is important to understand is also the applications. How many did apply? So actually there is there, there are 50 notified bodies that applied for um, UMDR and uh, 16 that applied for uh, IVDR. So there are still a lot that are still on, in process now for becoming uh, notified bodies under MDR and IVDR but yeah it's never uh, too much if I can say we need to have more and more notified bodies more and more that can help us uh, we are struggling even us because I'm helping a lot of manufacturers to find a notified body and we got some rejection we got one this morning or rejection from a notified body because they are not working with a certain countries also so uh, so mainly we are targeting a lot of notified bodies uh, and then we try to get one that is really uh, able to uh, manage uh, our customers so don't hesitate yeah, to to contact them don't hesitate to work um, with them but early not don't wait don't wait later to contact your notified body really contact them as early as possible Okay, so just uh, for this uh, medical device uh, news, um, just wanted to uh, tell you that we are organizing all this information that we are gathering for the medical device news uh, with the company Medboard. So Medboard is a platform that is helping to provide uh, information, regulatory information about all uh, the regulatory stages for medical devices. So you can also find a lot of information about products. If you are looking for uh, some companies, for some products, for some registration, if you are looking for information for clinical evaluation report publication if you are looking information for your pms medboard is the platform that can help you for that so uh, on the show notes we also place the link where medboard is providing us uh, a page where we are uh, showing then all the links for this uh, for this episode so don't hesitate to go on the show notes and then find this link and then uh, just look at how medboard can help you uh, within your organization Okay, let's continue now with UK. So UK had also a new approved body. So before we had BSI, SGS and UL. Now we have DECRA. So DECRA is now a new approved body, but only for general devices. So not for active devices or not for in vitro diagnostic, but for general devices. So now we have four that can uh, help you. 
within the different categories. I remind you that uh, BSI is only for uh, active devices, is uh, active devices, general devices, and uh, in vitro. Uh, SGS is only general devices and active devices. Uh, so uh, DECRA is only general devices, and UL is only in vitro diagnostic devices. So. Each one has its own, uh, if I can say, speciality, so choose the right one for your activities. But good news, we have a new approved body, which makes it um, more, more interesting than to go also uh, for the UK. So if you have already DECRA as a notified body for Europe, then your process to move to the UK will be easier because they will be using the bridging procedure where they will just check the gap between Europe and UK instead of rechecking everything about your company. UK Vigilance System. So for the ones like us, because we are UK responsible persons, so we are using the UK Vigilance System to report any issues. Uh, for those like us that are using the MORE database, M-O-R-A-E database. So you have to know that this will stop. I mean, this database will stop. They call it the old MORE. And this will stop uh, by November 21st. So from November 21st, there will be still access to this database, but just as an archive to see all what you have uh, placed already there. They also provide you an um, option to download all your archive from it, but this database will not be used anymore to uh, gather uh, the vigilance reporting from your uh, from customers or manufacturers. There will be again a new more database and then you have to register again with a new account for the more database. Um, I I try to find the link, but it's not available for the moment. So I suppose maybe if it's available next time, I will try to, to send that to you. Uh, but mainly, yeah, you will have to use that. And it will be open from October 13. So not so far from now. So uh, then when it will be open, then you can uh, get a new account and then you will be have to register your new uh, vigilance reporting within this new platform or this same platform with the new version, I suppose, because they call it also the more database, but um, I don't know. So I put again the link also um, showing this information about uh, this. They also maintain this, uh, there is an email address that I saw also on the, on, the, on the article. They maintain also this email address so you can still use this email address for transmitting the, some information. But if you are using the more database, then uh, this will change. So if you are having, if you are making a, any clinical investigation within the UK, MHRS. So uh, there is a, just a small change uh, or small update about uh, this. Uh, so now they are asking you also to do a quarterly report about incident that happens uh, within your clinical investigation. So they are not just asking you to do a quarterly means um, every three months to send them a report for what happened within those three months. No, they ask you to send every three months a report for all the period of this clinical study from beginning to the end. So if the three first month there was three events, so you report three events. If the three next month there was again three events, so you don't report just the three events, you report the six events, etc., etc. I don't know why, because many they can accumulate those information, but they ask you to make a more consolidated report about all the events that happened uh, during uh, during this period. Uh, so yeah, just a new, uh, a small update, if I can say, for for this uh, for this uh, reporting process. And lastly, with the UK MHRA, so uh, they have updated or they have expanded the SAMD guidance. Uh, they added three more, uh, three appendixes. So the first appendix is about symptom checkers, the second about clinical calculators, and the third one about drives, uh, appendix drives or influence the use of a device. So 
mainly those three appendixes are an addition to the guidance that was already existing for SAMD. But um, what I find, I mean, each time I read the guidance from the MHR, I'm like, why did they quit the European Union? <laughs> they should stay with us. <laughs> because MHR is really great. I mean, their guidance is clear, a lot of examples, colorful also. I mean, it's it's like they have hired the, uh, a UI UX uh, designer, so user interface, user exper experience uh, uh, designer, because I mean, it's it's easy to look, it's easy to, to, to great. So, if MDCG can look at this and maybe copy what they are doing would be really great. I mean, I'm not saying they are not doing good, it's just that in terms of design, it's not, it's just black and white and it's not sometimes uh, really helpful sometimes. So, but um, yeah, I mean, these guidance are really great and these guidance about SAMD, I suppose can also be applicable to a lot of what we are doing in Europe. But for the UK, it's really something that you have to look at if you are selling or if you are placing uh, a software as a medical device in the UK market. So please go to also to the show notes to just get those appendices and read uh, specifically uh, if this is really something that can help you for your software as a medical device. Okay, now Switzerland. <laughs> so Switzerland, uh, we have uh, some changes or updates on Switzerland. And one of the biggest updates that we heard the last weeks is about <laughs> is about Swiss Damed. So what is that? So Swiss Damed is like the UDAMED, but in Switzerland. So it's mainly uh, the database that will be, um, if I can say, working uh, for the Swiss manufacturers or people located outside of Switzerland that sells their product in Switzerland. So many it's for registration of your company, registration, even me, for even, even our company, so my company will be have to re-register within the Swiss Damed when it will be available. Uh, even if I'm already registered with Swiss Medic uh, as a, a UK responsible person, uh, UK author, um, Swiss authorized representative, sorry, and uh, importer. But will have to re-register again with this in the Swiss Damed. So Swiss Damed for Switzerland medical device uh, databases. Um, so uh, what's happening there is that uh, the, this database, so it's just an information, apparently it should be live in 2023. No more news about that, but it was just a good information. Because why? Because actually, for example, my customers, they're always asking me a proof of registration in Switzerland or notification in Switzerland. And the point is that what I can show to them is just the email I received from Swiss Medic saying, yes, I will receive your documentation. They are not sending us a document with uh, saying, oh, yes, we approve this and that. With MHRA, for example, we receive this document and it says to you, yes, this is registered, etc. But in Switzerland, nothing. So having this database will be great because then I can, I hope, can show to customers, yes, your product is on the database, then it is registered and it's working. But for the moment, I can just forward them the email I'm receiving from a Swiss Medic to say, yes, you are, we have taken into account your uh, notification. Okay, thank you. But uh, I, some, some of them, some customers are not really happy about just receiving this kind of thing, but I cannot do more. So it's not, uh, it's not, uh, not my fault. Um, okay, so yeah, this Swiss Damed will help us a lot, will help everybody and we'll have a, a good information. What I hope is that they really really align what is done with Swiss Damed and UDAMED because I hope, I'm still hoping that they will be signing this agreement between Switzerland and Europe. Then when there will be kind of a merger, I hope they can transfer all the information that we have within the uh, Swiss Damed to the UDAMED when there will be uh, finally uh, MRA signed between those two countries. But it's good already that they are, if I can say, aligning things. They already aligned the regulations, MDR and IVDR. Now they are aligning also the databases, which is also a good news. 
Okay, so for Switzerland also, uh, individual diagnostic companies, if you want to have some information, online information about uh, this in Switzerland, in vitro diagnostic in Switzerland, uh, there will be um, uh, a webinar or conference that will happen on Thursday, 3rd of November. Uh, 2022 um, it's free of charge I'm just saying that so in case you say oh you have to pay you don't have the budget it's free so you can go there you can just register and the only thing is that it's in German and it's translated or um, transcripted in French so mainly if you are not speaking or German or French it can be a bit difficult for you so send or send this link maybe to somebody that is a German speaker or French speaker then maybe it can be useful for for you so um, I suppose there will be provide a lot of information about the latest update, uh, latest legislation about uh, in vitro diagnostic in Switzerland. Uh, but yeah, it's always important to stay up to date. So, so if you know somebody that is interested by this link, so send that to them. Okay, Swiss Medic has also made a study, a study on uh, Swiss authorized representatives. So this study was showing a lot of things. Uh, the document I will show you is in German. I don't know if there was an English version. So uh, what was interesting is this pie graph that is showing the proportion of the different types of Swiss uh, authorized representatives. So there are 15% of the Swiss authorized representatives that are also importers, which is uh, the case for Easy Medical Device, for example. We have 35% of Swiss authorized representative that are uh, only Swiss authorized representative and uh, as a service provider. And we have 50% of the Swiss authorized representative that are a subsidiary, a sister company of a corporate uh, company or a bigger company. So it mainly they are using one of their office in the region in, in Switzerland to as a Swiss authorized representative to represent the company. So more than 50%. So you see that, yeah. It's really a proportion is really big that uh, service providers are, I mean, uh, companies that with uh, an office are used a lot uh, to represent their company in Switzerland. I suppose they are doing that also for Europe or for the UK. So it's just that, uh, yeah, they are, it's normal and it's, it's fine because mainly, as we said, if the mutual recognition agreement is signed again, and between Europe and Switzerland, there is no need any more of a Swiss authorized representative or of an importer. So it's also important to, to understand that. So just a reminder, so Easy Medical Device is also an uh, authorized representative in uh, Europe, UK and Switzerland. And it is also an importer, an independent importer in Switzerland and uh, Europe. So if you need any of our services, so don't hesitate to contact us. Uh, we'll have my team that will help you to uh, look at uh, making your quotation with you, uh, signing the agreement and then starting the uh, registration activities uh, for, for your product. So don't hesitate to contact us. Uh, we'll be really happy to have you as a customer for that. Okay, now what's happening in the rest of the world? So we have first Finland. Finland um, normally is asking its distributors that are distributing, placing, uh, that are um, making available a medical device uh, in the Finland market uh, to submit a notification. Um, so to inform that they are doing that uh, for medical devices. But, but, but apparently there are some over, over notification uh, from the distributor. So now they say, don't do that anymore. So they say, stop doing that. So you are not, um, it's not mandatory for you to do a notification. In 2022, I suppose they will find another solution or a more solid electronic uh, system to then make this notification. But for the moment, they say, don't do that. So if you are selling, if you are a distributor in Finland, then be informed that you are not it's not mandatory anymore for you to uh, submit a notification to the Finland authority. You uh, have to wait maybe on 2023 what they will be deciding. 
USA guidance is now. So, I mean, I'm always amazed when I'm looking at the database. So I'm using, as I said, we are using Medboard to look at all those information. Always amazed about all the guidances that are issued by uh, the US. So actually I counted for this review 19 um, guidances that were issued just in one month, which makes it a lot. I mean, MDCG for Europe is only one when MDCG is for a regulation that is not stable for the moment. Here, the US is like FDA, it's stable, it's working, etc. They are still releasing a lot of guidances. I just selected a few of them, but I put you the link for all the others. So first is the post-marketing surveillance. So we have the guidance for post-marketing surveillance, explain to you how to execute a post-marketing surveillance in the US. They, will, they are slightly different. This is slightly different from what is done in Europe. So yeah, you have also to look if there is a difference that you can bridge, uh, elements that you can bridge that are similar and other things that maybe are different that you have to mention on your procedures then. Then the second one is about electronic submission template for medical device 510K. So mainly this is important because if you are submitting a 510K, you can use the electronic template for that. And this is a guidance explaining to you how to feel, how to use this electronical template for, for this submission. And I put, as I said, the link for a lot of other guidances that uh, are available that you can check and that you can uh, then verify if uh, they are important for your, for your activities. Okay, now Japan. Japan is asking you to put a code on a labeling on uh, a code labeling, if I can say, on the container of your medical devices. So mainly it's the same as the UDI code, uh, but they have different um, naming. The only thing that I've seen that there is the fact that they are asking for a GTIN. Um, GS1, I don't see anything talking about HIBCC or ICCBBA or IFS or I don't know if they are authorized, but apparently for the guy from the document and the guidance, um, the GTIN code that you have to use on your products is mainly uh, the one from a GS1, um, just to be confirmed. So the GTIN, they call it the product code, which is the one that should be on the labeling. And they call the UDIPI, which is mainly the, uh, the, the manufacturing uh, production uh, information about your products, like expiration date, lot number, serial number, etc. They call it the manufacturing identifier. So there is a product code and the manufacturing identifier that should be available uh, within the, the elements. So um, if you are, um, certified under MDSAP, then maybe this is something that you have to look at uh, because this is also changing the rules for uh, for you um, in terms of uh, sending your devices to Japan. So have a look if you are MDSAP for Japan uh, because this is also something that uh, you have to update on your procedures then. Okay, Singapore released a guidance about essential principle for safety and performance. So when you hear that, you say, oh, it looks like general safety and performance requirements. I mean, a bit. Essential principles is also looking like the TGA, the Australian name for uh, essential requirements, etc. And when you look at it, uh, yes, it is mainly that. It's mainly the GSPR or uh, essential requirements information that are there. But they just picked the chapter one, uh, which is general information, chapter two, which is specific, but chapter three, which is about labeling, instruction forms, etc. They don't, they didn't include that at all. Uh, so yeah, if you are then going to Singapore, uh, you can 
copy what you have done already for MDD or MDR. I, mean, I haven't looked specifically at each of the requirements, but you can copy what you have done there so that you can sell your device to uh, in Singapore also. So no need to redo again all the exercise. So this is what is also great is sometimes that when um, the different regulations are aligning, you don't need to reinvent everything. You just copy paste what you have already done because to be honest, filling a GSPR or an essential requirements can take already a lot of time. So if you can save you some time by just copying that for the next uh, country, it will be really great for you. So um, don't go, don't hesitate to go to the show notes just to see this table and all the information and how to implement that. They are also giving a lot of advices how to write it, but the advices are the same as what we are doing actually in Europe. So um, I hope it will be also an educative document for people that are not used to the GSPR. Brazil. So Brazil is changing uh, their law. They are updating their regularization medical device RDC 185 2001. So mainly what they are doing there is that they are um, adopting a specific classification for some technology device or SAMD uh, because mainly they are trying to uh, to move with the technology. So mainly they are changing a bit this uh, this part. They are putting also some consolidation in of notification registration and changes uh, in the uh, in rule in the single RDC so they are putting that in one document instead of putting it in many documents they are incorporating also the rules on instruction for use and non print for non-printed formats so like is electronic IFUs uh, they are also making an adoption of the IMD oh it's great this one yeah they are putting an adoption they are adopting the IMDRF te uh, table of content for technical documentation why because it's helping them to harmonize the technical file for all the different regions so um, this is an IMDRF document that is showing you how you can build a technical file, not only for Europe, but for all the region, because they are trying to consolidate all the requirements for the different regions. So this is also something that uh, can be great. And this new regulation will be in effect from March 1st, 2023. So just for you to understand that if you hear about this update, I mean, this is mainly what uh, has been changed within the document, but you can still go there. I'm just, <laughs> just for you, I don't read Portuguese. So I'm just translating as much as possible all the document uh, to understand it. So um, mainly you can do the same with your browser or maybe your tool that, uh, tools that you have just to translate the document to understand what, uh, what is mentioned there. And last one, Saudi Arabia. So Saudi Arabia, as usual, they are issuing webinars. So now there is a new webinar, which is interesting. This one is about clinical evaluation and post-marketing clinical follow-up. So um, as usual, I put uh, the link there. Uh, at the moment, the webinar will be launching. There is a click here button where you click and then you are in, inside the the Webex or, what the, or the, the, the conference, and then you can participate to it. So um, I just place again on the image with a small round of yellow round on it, just to show you where is the clip, because it's really discreet. So it's not like something that is a button or whatever. Should maybe make that next time, just a button where you click on it. Here, it's like just a small sentence where I say click here. So it's a bit uh, difficult, but yeah, you just go there. So it will be on Wednesday, 26th of October, 2022, from 10 to 11 a.m. Saudi time so it's GMT plus three so just there is some time difference so be careful of that but yeah uh, just uh, look at um, at your uh, time zone application just to find when uh, at which time it will be uh, for you Okay, so for the podcast uh, with Easy Medical Device, so we had a lot of good podcasts. We had the first one about 
U.S. importer episode 197 with Stefan uh, Tupin. So mainly uh, we discussed about uh, the importance to appoint a U.S. importer in, uh, in for the U.S. market because mainly yeah after you register your device uh, it's not over you have still to uh, have somebody that will be appointed there to receive and approve your products to be entering the U.S. market. So uh, Stefan uh, is company uh, Dawa Medical can help you for that so don't hesitate to look again at this episode where we talk with Stefan about that then we have episode 198 which is how to become the best PRC ever with Ronald Boomans so uh, this is an episode where we talk about uh, mainly uh, the not only how to become a PRC but how to go to the next stage how to become the best PRC and uh, I just remind you that November 3rd and 4th uh, this um, year we have the conference the team PRC conference in Brussels I will be there so I will be participating for the two days so notice that also if you are coming to uh, let me know so that we can meet and we can maybe <laughs> have some coffee or some lunch together so don't hesitate for doing that then episode 199 uh, we have uh, how to select a notified body and the full process after the selection how this is working how the audit is going etc so I'm trying to explain to you uh, this information because I'm, I'm doing that a lot during my meetings with uh, my customers just to explain to them here is how it will be working, here is the notified body will select, here is what they will do stage one, stage two, etc. What will be the process? Even after the everything is clear, there is still some time to receive the certificate. So I'm trying to give you all the information so that you are not surprised. So if you have never been audited, so this is the episode to hear about just to understand how this will be going. And last episode, episode 200, where we had uh, a great celebration. Uh, the objective of this episode was just to show to you all the, what we have done during the last uh, 200 weeks, because as I've said, uh, we are uh, placing an episode every week now since 200 weeks. Uh, so the objective was also to get some feedback from followers, from uh, experts, from customers, also from my team. So if you have never met my team, so there are also some uh, good people on the team that are just making some kind of testimonials or showing their face also uh, so um, don't hesitate also to look at that just to see if I can say uh, all the progress that we have done and all that because of you also so it's not like I'm just taking all the glory of it so no because you are here because you like what we are doing because uh, mainly uh, I hope I'm helping you a lot uh, then we have this success with the with the podcast so thank you for that thank you again thank you for participating and don't hesitate to share that with all uh, your colleagues because mainly uh, I hope this will be really helping for you but also for them uh, for for their career or for their uh, activities within the medical device industry. Okay, it was a pleasure to talk to you today. So don't hesitate to send me an email at info at easymedicaldevice.com I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com If you have any question, if you have any suggestion, I'm receiving sometimes some suggestion about uh, some podcast episodes and I'm then looking at who can help for that. So don't hesitate to send me some suggestion or if you want to participate to the podcast, don't hesitate also just uh, send me an email and we can see if we can make a, an episode together. So thank you again. Thank you for your support. Thank you for all your messages and I wish you a nice day. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.